Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Hey, this is David Rosen from the All Points West Network, and over on Awesome Movie Year, the podcast that takes a look at different years in movies and why they were awesome movie years. They're currently finishing up their 2003 season with a look at the Oscars Best Picture winner, one of the biggest of all time, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. And because Josh and Jason and myself all watched the entire trilogy to get ready for the episode, we decided to also do a very special episode of my podcast, Piecing It Together, taking a look at the movies that inspired The Lord of the Rings and at the movies that it inspired. So we get to talk about a whole lot of other movies along the way, adventures and quests and all that kind of fun stuff. So check out Awesome Movie Year, check out Piecing It Together, and check out the other podcasts here on the All Points West Network. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we have got a wild one for you. We are going to be talking about Zola from writer-director Janik Sabravo, based on a series of tweets by Asia Zola King. It is a weird movie that we have been looking forward to for a long time here on this podcast. Uh, of course, it got delayed after the pandemic and all that, after its initial premiere at Sundance last year. Uh, but it's finally here. It's out in theaters. Hopefully you go see it, because it is something that definitely should be experienced. And joining me to talk about it is Ben Miller from Ice Cream for Freaks and the Film Experience. Uh, we had a great conversation about Zola that is coming up here in a second. So, as always, I want to remind you first to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together, because we have a lot of podcasts coming your way, lots of episodes, lots of regular episodes, special episodes, all kinds of stuff happening on this podcast. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what we're doing, you could, of course, share the show with your friends. That's always number one. That's I sometimes forget to mention that, but it is, above all else, the best thing you can do if you want to help support what we're doing here on Piecing It Together. But you could also rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Just got a nice five-star review the other day. I uh, always appreciate those. Um, also, you know, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. 
And also, don't forget, we do have a Patreon. If you really love what I'm doing, you could subscribe to the Patreon. You get early access to Piecing It Together episodes. Soon there will be some special bonus episodes that won't end up on the main feed. There's actually already some special bonus episodes because I do these monthly wrap-up things. So there's already that. There's also bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, which is another great podcast that I produce. And then there's stuff from my music career. So lots of great content over on the Patreon. Produced by David Rosen is the name of it. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. Check it out. Uh, so yeah, that does it. Let's get into the conversation. Let's talk about Zola. Let's do this. All right, so we are going to get into Zola today, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, joining me is Ben Miller from Ice Cream for Freaks and the Film Experience. Ben, uh, how's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, it's a beautiful morning. Uh, happy Fourth of July, by the way. Yes, yes, to you too. Um, this is a good way to start the day off, right? Exactly. Talking about this insane movie. <laughs> oh, no, no, exactly. Insane is the best way possible way to put it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, before we do get into it, it is your first time on the show. Why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and uh, what it is you do on your site? Yes, uh, um, my only site, Ice Cream Number Four Freaks dot com. Um, it's a film site. I do a lot of uh, just film reviews, Oscar predictions, uh, kind of run the gamut. Um, I also uh, have a feature. I I ran a feature uh, for the last couple months uh, called uh, Oscar Justice. Mm -hmm. And uh, every Friday I go through the Oscar categories and essentially award a rightful Oscar to somebody who deserved it in that category. And then I follow the breadcrumbs down the line. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I gave uh, Sean Penn the Oscar in 1995, which took it away from Nicolas Cage, but gave him one in 2002. And then that took that one away from... Um, See, I can't even remember my own stuff. So yeah, so it it since Nicolas Cage got that one in two thousand two, it took one away from Adrian Brody. I don't think Brody ever got one again. But then Penn also lost his in two thousand three, and Bill Murray got his, and then Penn lost his in two thousand eight, and then uh, Mickey Rourke got an Oscar. So it, it exactly it goes all the way down that crazy stuff and uh, some wild, interesting areas um but that's interesting yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's like the whole time travel thing where like you know if you change something something else is going to change and it's like you you can't just uh change that one thing that you thought you were going to do exactly there there's there's a couple rare occasions whenever it works out perfectly like uh, i gave michael keaton the oscar over uh, eddie redmayne and that mm -hmm. was that there's no there's well no that's perfect right yeah. there exactly yeah, i mean yeah. <laughs> exactly. you're not going to give eddie redmayne the other oscar he got nominated for and mm -hmm. michael keaton's never been nominated again so and i had a strict rule about never giving like oh i, I gave michael keaton seven other no nominations no, no, no i just stuck to the actual oscar nominations mm -hmm. and then uh kind of follow those repercussions yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I I like that concept. That that's a lot of fun. So yeah, let's get into Zola. Uh, there there is uh, there there's a lot to to talk about here, and we're gonna get into it with the puzzle pieces and everything as we get into the conversation. But you know, this was a big movie coming out of Sundance last year, and uh, one of the biggest i think of the big delays at least uh you know not counting the blockbuster you know mm. movies the bond and all, you know all that kind of stuff uh was this one that you had been like really looking forward to over this past year while we've been waiting for it yeah um it was definitely something on my radar because um the big thing for me was i've always been a kind of a i've had stock in riley keogh for a while sure. and 
And every time I see her, I'm like, okay, she's eventually going to be somebody. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody mentioned on Twitter that she's the best case for nepotism in, uh, in Hollywood. Um, right. Right. But, um, every time she's kind of on the radar for things, I, I'm kind of looking around and then I watched Ma Rainey's black bottom and saw Taylor page and Coleman Domingo and bo- how mm-hmm. incredible both of them were in it. I'm like, man, oh, yeah. you combine all these elements. I'm not sure there's much of a, much of something I don't want in this. And yeah. I actually, the famous Twitter thread, I specifically stayed away from it. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't want to know too much about it. I wanted to go in fresh and, uh, I, I still haven't seen the Twitter thread and now I kind of want to go back and see how close it's skewed actually to the film. Yeah. That, that's interesting that both of us hadn't read the thread. Really? Um, I was certainly aware of it yeah. and you know, I, you know, heard about it for a while now and especially since the movie was, uh, in production and then premiered. Um, but yeah, I still haven't gone back and read it, but I did watch a video that kind of, um, you know, talks about the differences between the real life and, mm. you know, what ended up in the movie. Yeah. Um, so, but one of these days I am going to go ahead and, and read it because it, it sounds like there's a lot in there uh, that didn't make it in the movie. And I, I <laughs> need to uh, need to read up yeah. on some of that. But um, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. And we, we'll talk about a lot about the other things that go into this film along the way. But uh, what do you got for your first puzzle piece? Uh, my first puzzle piece is Spring Breakers. Um, nice. The, uh, obviously the, chaos surrounding that film and and the it, it always felt like controlled chaos uh with with these four girls getting into this kind of fringe side community of uh of um apart from the real world it's almost like a fantasy like mm-hmm. uh, they're trying you know obviously gets into real criminal elements and the wild characters that they run into obviously james franco's character um but at the same time just kind of the Prox the you know the beach type proximity and the uh, everything's just kind of at the same velour. Um, but uh, Spring Breakers was the probably the second film I ever thought of when I was watching this. I was like, man, this has got some real Spring Breakers vibe. I, th- I think sure. this film is uh, much more polished than that mm-hmm. than Spring Breakers was. Uh, when I talk about ca- the, the other one was much more chaos, just for you know, like it felt like they shot you know. 700 hours worth of footage and then somehow found that movie out of there where Zola feel Zola Zola feels much more um, concrete and 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 put together and and deliberate yeah and it's funny that you know Zola being based off of like we said a series of tweets that it would be that much more structured than you know a you know in theory regular movie that like Mm. you know just came from a script Uh, but that's Harmony Corinne for you so you know especially this late era Harmony Corinne where it's just getting he's just kind of leaning into his weirdness and uh, and everything that kind of just makes him what he is but but yeah definitely Spring Breakers also on my list and uh, I'm Mm. sure we'll have plenty of uh, overlap here but that movie just you know that insane just over the top energy and you know it kind of just captures just the the most extreme of what you know youth is right now and i think both of these movies kind of uh revel in that quite a bit to zola's credit i don't think it's as lurid as spring breakers can be sure um uh it, it really it that was the most impressive part of me for the film is how it really held back what it could have really gone deep in like they're yeah. like obviously it's it's been it's been talked about a bunch but james franco originally was supposed to direct this movie and i cannot yeah. imagine the chaos that would have ensued if he was ended up in the director's chair and what would it ended up uh, as the final product it it also uh i don't like the word problematic but oh, that would have been a problematic movie <laughs> 
yeah, James, <laughs> hey, James Franco, a, 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 a about a film centered around two women. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, no, no good, no good. But, uh, but definitely, uh, James Franco will come up again in a later puzzle piece for me. Actually, Ooh, nice. um, you know, what? I might as well just get that one out of the way since we're talking about James okay. Franco right now. I'm going to talk about the disaster artist, uh, James Franco's Tommy Wiseau biopic about the making of the Room, uh, which this this is maybe my most out of left field puzzle piece for this episode. But I just feel like the um, the idea of You've got one foot in this world already in in the case of uh, the disaster artist, it's acting and, you know, Hollywood and all that. And then in the case of Zola, it's in the world of stripping and then Mm -hmm. going past that into sex work. And uh, this just absolute crazy person drags you in way further than you ever wanted to be or expected to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything just kind of goes off the deep end from there. And it's just this, uh, this story about, you know, being careful who you, who you connect with and, you know, who you let into your life and who you go on that ride with. And, Mm. You know the character Stephanie that uh, that Zola is is being brought into this world with has just this insane manic energy that uh, you know it, it's hard to hard to top time it was so but uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Cer- <laughs> certainly a similar kind of uh, crazy character yeah and I like the uh, kind of the other sides of it uh, for the disaster artist as well just kind of like it's about these two main characters and but at the same time there's such these interesting supporting characters peppering around the outsides and mm-hmm. Zola has so many of those just random people that pop up and you're like man that's uh, that was really somebody that there's never there's never anybody in in this film that kind of just shows up and doesn't really make an impression everybody sure. in the film you're just like this is somebody even Jason Mitchell's stick-up artist friend mm-hmm. like his is like he he was as soon as he gets disarmed, he's kind of like a, a, a little puppy and you almost feel bad for him. Right. And, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't really say much, but he's on screen for, you know, two minutes and really makes an impression, things like that. So, um, and the disaster artist was filled with that, uh, be it, uh, you know, the, the celebrity cameos or, you know, Judd Apatow yelling at him in a restaurant or whatever it could be like, uh, totally. There was, yeah. There was nobody in the film that didn't make an impression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's, let's move on. What do you got for your next piece? Uh, my next puzzle piece is after hours. Um, sure. Martin Scorsese's, uh, probably one of his more underrated works. Um, but the, the film I thought of the most whenever the film was, whenever Zola was done, it was this just, uh, mostly because after hours has so much insanity that is treated, um, with such banality. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition to all the all the craziness, the the big difference is that Zola probably takes place over a weekend, while After Hours is one night, and right. all the stuff with After Hours, all this crazy stuff keeps happening, and then at the end of the day, it's just kind of done, and it goes mm-hmm. back to normal life. And I, I know you have in your review specifically, you, uh, you really didn't like the ending of Zola, and that that's yeah, the the hardest part to take in because it just. It just leaves you just with every possible question. I mean, yeah. you kind of get nothing out of yeah, that. Yeah, it's just kind of there, and yeah. it feels like like one of my favorite things about films is how uh, is how short they can be if they're successful. Like uh, sure. a, a, a an eighty five. Like I think the I think when the start the credits started, I think we're eighty three minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, but uh, I liked watching the entire credits because obviously you got that nice overview of that bridge. But at the same sure. time, like after hours ends. It's, it starts with, at the end of the day, 
and then it ends after all this crazy stuff happens and the day's just over and mm-hmm. it just starts again essentially and right. i had the same thought with zola it starts it has this kind of meteoric start to it and it starts kind of out of nowhere and then it ends kind of out of nowhere and yeah. um and all the wild stuff that happens in between the only difference the 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 big difference between the two is obviously the main character in After Hours, uh, played by Griffin Dunn. He's he's kind of just uh, observing it and going like, "Well, this is same stuff, different day." Where where Taylor Page in Zola is looking around, going, "This is wild!" Like she's yeah. perfectly aware of how insane everything is. So uh, that that's that's the probably main difference. But I, I dig big After Hours vibes the whole time. Sure. Yeah. And I, I've always seen after hours once it's actually been on my, uh, my watch list, like of things that I wanted to get back to this year. Um, it's, it's one of those Scorsese films that I I haven't seen in forever and I really need to uh, revisit it. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad you brought that one into the conversation. Uh, I'll go on to another puzzle piece that Mm. is, I'm sure inspired itself by after hours quite a bit. Um, and that is really, I'm going to kind of cheat here and just say the work in general of the Safdie brothers. Um, oh, interesting. We're getting a lot of a 24 in this conversation, of course, but um, I have another one later. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, just that chaotic energy of, of uncut gems and, and like the kind of money above all else energy of that film as well, mm. along with this, just like feeling of just, you know, chaos of good time, you know, and also just kind of like that feeling of these characters who are just like, how could they possibly survive living this way? Like just, <laughs> it, just pure insanity, you know? Mm. And then even if you go into their earlier work, like uh, heaven can wait with like the kind of junky angle and like, you're kind of getting into this seedy underbelly of, of, uh, you know, of, of this particular world that you don't normally see. So, you know, you just get a lot of that chaos that they kind of imbue in their work. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of safety energy in this. That's a good, that's a good thought process of it. I mean, it's Zola has kind of a sheen on it that, mm-hmm. uh, that makes it a little cleaner than I was expecting. Um, mm-hmm. These are in a, you know, things are populated. The, the world of Zola is, is can be pretty seedy and some, some crazy stuff and some gross stuff can really happen, but at the same time, sure. it's never it's never really viewed through the eyes of gross and mm-hmm. and uh, and you know back alley or things like that. Even the the one real gross thing is that initial hotel that Nicholas Braun is staying in, and as soon as they get there, they go, "Wow, this is gross!" Like yeah. it's commented yeah. on immediately. So, um, but I do like the the energy of it. There are parts of Zola that are really super tense and mm-hmm. and. Few filmmakers do tension like the Safties, so I, I see I see that connection. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, a lot of that comes from its point of view being this, you know, this this woman Zola, and and you know she clearly, uh, despite you know working within you know that particular world, um, you know has a really good head on her shoulders and like you know sees the. Uh, you know, sees the ridiculous aspects of of some of that and of uh, just how how bad and dark things could get, but mm. stays away from that clearly and, and doesn't want to, you know, engage in any of that. And so I think that comes across in the storytelling as well. Yeah, I agree. So what do you got for your next piece? Okay, um, this, is, uh, this is the one I'm, it's probably the most off kilter as far as with this film. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I would, uh, my next puzzle piece is A Simple Favor. Okay. Um, the uh, the the Paul Feig film uh, with uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. Um, the the big thing that I thought of, or, or it's it's twofold. Is one is the the primary relationship 
um, between the two women being not not necessarily being friendly, almost combative, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time being friendly, and that that followed a lot with uh, what happened in in Zola with uh, with Zola and, and uh, Stephanie. Um, but the other aspect is a simple favor is so social media heavy, sure. And Anna Kendrick is doing her mommy blog the whole time and connecting it back to what's going on with uh, with Blake Lively's character being missing, and um, obviously Zola skews a little more towards realism which uh which a simple favor gets a little a little out of hand but at sure. times but it's it's still it's still uh you can kind of see where the through lines are um it, it's uh you know you see the that re- that relationship between those two women in a simple favor is such the paramount theme to that film and zola is so focused initially it, it's really interesting the first 10 minutes of watching Zola and seeing the character of Zola and Stephanie and how they connect so immediately. And they're like, oh man, this is what a relationship. And then, you know, they start that road trip. And then five minutes into that road trip, and Stephanie's <laughs> telling a story, and Zola goes, oh no. Like, yeah. this is <laughs> so, <laughs> the different. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that relationship and the friendship is the thing that drives that film. And, uh, same thing with the simple favor and just kind of all coordinating it together. Just uh, they definitely had the vibes. I, I like that. I hadn't thought of that as as a puzzle piece, but it definitely makes sense. And I I love that you know the facial expressions that Taylor Page makes um, as so Zola. Good. You could just see it internally. Just what is happening that that she is looking at this girl and just you know, but but she made the decision to go with her, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so, and she realizes that, you know, she could have said no at any moment in this, yeah. but she, she made the decision because maybe, because it would be fun, maybe for the money, maybe, uh, this seems like a bad idea, but uh, I'm going to go for it anyway, whatever it is. And you could just see it on her face, just how, uh, complicated making that decision <laughs> is for her. And, 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 and on, on every, every turn, every crazier thing that happens, she's, she just goes further and further down. It's like, why am I here? And mm-hmm. this <laughs> remember, is messy. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the scene I always think of when I think of Taylor page that made it's, it was such a perfect line reading is whenever Nicholas Braun admits that he's been talking to uh, Jason Mitchell and Coleman mm-hmm. Domingo bursts in and gets really mad. And he's like, we got to go. It's like, this guy's going to come in and kill us all. And Taylor page just goes, what? And it's, it's, <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard every time. And then Coleman Domingo's running like a chicken with his head cut off and they run oh, out. Yeah. But man, she is just so, every, every time she's, her her eyes are so huge in this film in the best way. It's just yeah. so expressive and her her demeanor is, she's my best performance in the film. And, you know, Coleman Domingo and Riley Keough are so flashy and they're mm-hmm. really splashy roles, but man, this film doesn't work without Taylor Page. No, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's it is difficult to pick because those two other roles are just so much fun to watch. Mm. But but yeah, absolutely. I mean, the film doesn't work without with, no. without Taylor Page doing what she's doing. But yeah, for, you know, for my next puzzle piece, it actually goes along really well with uh, some of the stuff you're saying with the simple favor, uh, and that's 2017's Ingrid Goes West. 
Mm. Um, another movie, you know, about the female friendship, uh, social media is heavily ingrained in it. I, I yes. realized also like going through this list, um, you, you know, and I, I've got a couple, I mean, you had after hours in there. I've got a, another piece coming up later that, uh, is a little bit older, but, um, a lot of these are much more recent films that yes. I feel like influence this film because I mean, it just has this, this energy about it. That's just very young and youthful and, uh, yeah, I mean, Ingrid Goes West is one of my favorite movies of like you know the last ten years, and um, just this this friendship. It's born out of social media, and it just it it starts off kind of well meaning, and just goes darker and uh, yeah. you know more messed up as it goes, and and that's you know exactly how this friendship between Zola and Stephanie works out. Um, you know, starting off with, with you know. Fairly good intentions, maybe. It's kind of a bit questionable <laughs> with Stephanie, but, um, yeah. you know, seemingly good intentions, at least in, in you know, in the moment. And uh, things just getting darker and darker from there. And uh, that that constant social media reminder, you know, you got the, the Twitter uh, bells or whatever you want to call yeah. them, the notification sounds, uh, you know, it, it adds to that whole social media thing that Ingrid Goes West played with so well. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good way to put it. Um... I, I really like Ingrid Goes West, and the one of my favorite things about it is the probably the least likable characters is the main character herself. Sure, and all the all the uh, all the side characters are you know it's like oh well, I want to spend more time with these guys, and I really like it's like oh, okay Elizabeth Olsen might be a little shallow, but I mean she's she probably has her heart in the right place. And, sure, and then uh, you know. Uh, all the all the side characters like that. This is almost the flip of that. Yeah, is Zola's the only character you do like, and everybody else is kind of terrible. Uh, oh, I mean, Nicholas God, Braun yeah. isn't bad, but he's so stupid yes. and <laughs> so terrible. Like so, yeah, he's so dumb. And even Zola's boyfriend is kind of a blank page. I'm sure on tar- on purpose, but mm-hmm. um. Yeah, it, it, Zola's the only one you're like, okay, this this woman might have everything straight. Like, she just might be, she might just be really good at pole dancing, which she sure seems to be. And yeah, um, and and yeah, taking no judgment of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, you wonder. Uh... I mean, I guess we're going to see like, you know, as this movie, you know, gets out there and, and as, as things progress, like, I wonder if the actual Zola, uh, is going to end up doing more in storytelling in some way, whether, whether that's writing or, or whatever, or if this is just this weird lightning in a bottle, just thing that happened. Yeah. It's, it's, I was really thinking of that as well. It's like, it can't be this, this is, this can't be the only crazy story she has. Right. It's like, (laughs) it's like, if this happened over a weekend, I can't imagine the stuff should happen over, over years. You know, when you're, when you're in a world like that and some crazy things happen like this, I want to hear from if if all this is, you know, this is all through the specter of one person's perspective. Yeah, and and the film the film smartly at one point switches to Stephanie's perspective, and obviously she's a, you know, a nice church girl and, and sure, all, of course, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, <laughs> like, um, the film mentions that Stephanie's done this before and brought in other dancers to kind of manipulate her way into a, in into a prostitution schemes and it's like mm-hmm. boy i want to hear from them and all, all and and the wild stuff that they had to go through did stephanie do something weird with them so i mean um yeah exactly this could go a lot further and uh, and zola the actual zola has such an interesting voice and in the way she talks about things and i'm pretty sure 
that uh, that some of the lines from the film are probably pulled straight from tweets. Oh, I'm and sure. if that's the case, then and absolutely, let's uh, let's let's see what she has more to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you got for your next piece? My uh, my next puzzle piece is the Florida Project. Okay. As as we said, we're we're sticking uh, sticking kind of in this world of uh, the Florida Project gets gets real dark in a real way where mm-hmm. Zola kind of maintains this level of uh, level of lightness that even when things are getting kind of dire, nothing n- it like, okay, near the end of the film, obviously spoilers for the film is uh, uh, whenever Coleman Domingo shoots Jason Mitchell. Yeah. Like he shoots him in the throat and he's lying there on the bed and he, it just kinda, and his, his buddy goes, you all right. It's like, has he been shot in the throat? And, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, they, they leave and that's pretty much the last we see of that. They run away and there's no consequences mm-hmm. and the floor. And uh, whenever I think of the Florida project, I think of not necessarily um, the tone, but I think, you know, there's this world of this hotel that is self-contained and this own offshoot of this world in Florida, obviously, it's the Florida vibes that are uh, connecting the two for me. But totally, um, yeah. it's uh, it, it's in this world and it's contained to this world. And the Zola world is the same thing. It's it's you know you're in you're in this one club. You're in the seedy motel. You're in the nicer motel. You're in another nicer motel. It's pretty self contained considering. And then they're just kind of driving in between. So um, and and the Florida project takes these small little small little notes and makes things feel a real and zola does the same thing like i i have a i have a personal hatred for a lot of stripper movies just because that's mostly film strip clubs are not real strip clubs right like, right it, yeah. uh, you know it's usually like oh uh you know highly stylized dancing um uh, you know guys just tossing money all over the place and it's like well that's not really it's like i can get pretty gross and it's right. it's uh now Whenever Zola starts stripping, she takes a spray bottle and cleans the pole. I'm like, oh, this is they got this already. Like as yeah. soon as as soon as that happened. <laughs> there's some it, realism in this. Exactly. There's some realism. And you, you felt that in the Florida project too, where it's like, okay, I might not know this world, but all of it feels real. Mm-hmm. And all of it feels real in a way that feels down to earth. And uh and Zola was exactly the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, it, it's kind of funny, you know. You know, people make jokes about like a twenty four having like a uh, like a Florida shared universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, the moonlight waves. You know, there, there's all, all these movies that show these different sides of you know that Florida, but they all do yeah. share a kind of aesthetic between them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that that kind of it, it's it's a weird thing that they do where makes sunlight look gross. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, it, like you can you can feel the humidity, that type of thing. And, oh yeah, um, yeah. And uh, lounging by a uh, lounging by a pool makes it look not luxurious. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, that I I had some big vibes when coming through that. Like I said, uh, the the general tone of the two is different, but I mean you can see where the connection is. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of stripper movies, uh, I'm going to go with Hustlers from 2019. Mm. Yes. That- 
I mean, kind of has to come up in this conversation here, but, uh, you know, inspired by a crazy true story, strippers, um, Mm -hmm. big, huge performance by JLo in that one. Uh, But, you know, different different ideas on the mind with these two movies, different stories they're trying to tell. But just the fact that they both come from that world and they both were inspired by these insane true stories. um, I I think that they definitely share a, a pretty big connection there. Yeah, and and I kept thinking that too. And then the more I, the the more the film went on and kind of got away from stripping, it mm-hmm. made me think more of Magic Mike. Uh, sure, with, yeah. with the same thing. Um, you know, you know, this film is stripping's kind of the gateway to get into the film, right? And uh, and then it kind of goes from there. And Magic Mike's kind of the same way, and just like Hustlers is, is it's not really about stripping in right. any way. It just kind of well, that gets you into the world, and then, well, you know, there's some real economy problems, and and in both, in you know, Magic Mike and Hustlers um, are so close, um, you know, n- not necessarily narratively, but I mean, kind of based on the same idea of trying to get ahead in this world mm-hmm. and how you're held back, and the, the the fun thing about Zola is she never really takes pity on herself. Right. She doesn't complain about being a waitress. She doesn't complain about only making whatever it is she makes. And she doesn't care about being a stripper. And whenever she eventually makes a little bit of money on this adventure, she's not end all be all about it. It's there are other things she has to deal with. And, uh, and Magic Mike and Hustlers were the same way. It's not only about being a stripper. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, seem, it seems like it's almost a... Uh... Like you said, it's an entryway into what everything else ends up being, Mm. but I I feel like it's, um, you know, there's still a a stigma with sex work in in this country and the world really, but um, I I feel like stripping is kind of an easier in, I guess, for more general audiences. Yeah, it's it's almost like the film says, we can understand stripping, we can't understand prostitution, but at the same time, Zola herself doesn't even care about that right and and it even takes to another level is you think about whenever coleman domingo's character x is in charge of the prostitution kind of business side Mm -hmm. uh, he's undercharging and as soon as zola comes in it's like no no no, you gotta you you gotta put more value on yourself sure when a man's in charge it doesn't work when a woman's in charge it actually has the value attained to it so uh yeah that makes total sense Awesome. Well, is was Magic Mike a puzzle piece for you there? It uh, uh kind of not really. I had it. I had it as a like. A, it's a, like a side a, side piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. too easy. Like I, I was gonna put hustlers on there. I was like, ah, oh, he's definitely gonna say hustlers. Yeah, so, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, what do you got for your next piece then? Okay. Um, my next piece is true romance. Okay. Um, and the uh, the aspects of true romance I thought of were not necessarily uh the film itself, but it, all these. Um, kind of the ins- the character inspirations as far as how they're developed in this film. Um, specifically, Coleman Domingo's character of X. Um, he is so terrifying while being utterly hilarious the entire film. Yeah. Um, I, I tweeted that uh, that every decision he makes in this film is utterly insane and absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Um, for he, him. For for him. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and like. Um, I've still been trying to figure out a way to work into my daily life the the guttural uhs every time I go to the bathroom. And <laughs> right. man, those made me laugh. And he'd always throw an extra one in every time. 
But uh, with True Romance, you know, the, you have these char- these side characters like uh, like Drexel or Floyd, and they put they they have such a uh, they have such an indelible impact on the film. You're like, man, this guy cannot just be in this for just a little bit. He has to be further along. And it's almost like they took an as uh, a a piece of true romance, and they're like, okay, let's take a side, let's take a side view of this, and let's follow uh, like Samuel Jackson's character, who uh, uh, you know, who's Drexel's buddy. It's like, okay, let's let's follow him around for a weekend and see what he does. Yeah. And this 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 feels like an offshoot of that, and it kind of maintains that same tone where everything's pretty. You know, you think of there's there's some crazy dark violent stuff that happens in true romance but it's pretty pretty lighthearted the whole time i mean and um they kind of kind of maintains that same tone and uh and most this is mostly due to x and uh you you think like i said it's like if uh if samuel jackson's side character and bronson pinchot's character all kind of got together and bronson pinchot is nicholas braun and then you know his prostitute girlfriend, and then she brought her friend along, and then sure. what a crazy adventure this would be! Um, so that was the that was the one I thought of, and also just the uh, the cavalcade of uh, random uh, things that pop in. Um, yeah, so uh, true romance is the big one uh, that I thought of. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that as a puzzle piece. And yeah, I mean, just the crazy adventure of these particular kind of characters and, you know, that that meeting of violence and, and comedy. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great one. Um, I'll go with my last piece here and, uh, you know, c- kind of uh, centers around that Coleman Domingo uh, X character as well. Um you know, th- this movie, you know, we've been talking about dealing with sex work and kind of the darker side of that, you know, with with trafficking and and, and all that with with this particular character. I thought of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love Ooh. and the the situation that Adam Sandler gets himself into with this phone sex line yes. and just, you know, obviously sex work is work but there is this seedy dirty underside filled with violent people and bad people and uh Coleman Domingo's ex is one of them and he is in charge here and he is uh an absolutely terrifying threat for everyone in the movie uh really everybody whether it's the main characters of the movie or any side characters they encounter and uh just like Philip Seymour Hoffman's just you know huge performance in in mm. uh in punch drunk love it's just something to be seen and like you said it is really funny too but in that violence it's just it's kind of a, almost like a nervous funny yeah yeah the entire time anytime like nicholas braun gets hit it makes me laugh right but at the same time <laughs> it's like well you just you just hit the crap out of him like yeah it's not a it's like why I, I shouldn't be laughing at this totally but uh um that that's that's also really interesting like that the the Philip Seymour Hoffman character and and like you said you get down such a rabbit hole of well he's you know he's just a lonely guy who wanted to be on a phone sex line yeah and then before you know it you're like oh man this has gone way too far and mm-hmm. you're beating up guys with a with a with a tire iron in a in a parking lot and yeah so um it, it's kind of how how things devolve from a fairly innocent state into the chaos that it becomes exactly and i and i think that um 
you know, people probably when people look down on that world, um, the, the the good parts of the world that that you know shouldn't really be looked down upon. I think that they're immediately going there with with their thoughts, you know, and uh, yeah. they think that that's what's you know gonna gonna come of it all, and uh, that that kind of gives it a bad name in a way that that, that all that exists. Yeah, it's kind of the the mom going, well, you know, if you can't call this phone sex line because. For the for you know what they'll start extorting you and then they start trying to you know this this and that and it's like that's kind of the worst case scenario. <laughs> sure, but, but at the same time, it's like well, like it, it could happen. <laughs> it and, could, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, this is that story. So I, I I under I understand where that makes sense. And and also the 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 comparison between Philip Seymour Hoffman in that film and Coleman Domingo in this one's a really good one. Yeah, because like you said in. It, it seems like X probably does something else. Like he's probably he probably does has a day a, a day job. Yeah, that that he poses as just like Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, in that store, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he's screaming at Adam Sandler over the phone. Yeah. So I mean, uh, th- it makes a lot of sense, and that that anger and that funny anger. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, uh, do you have any more pieces? Um, not really, not really, uh, big ones. Um, uh, the only one I had left on my list was, uh, searching. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, mostly just because of the, um, in addition to obviously the initial Twitter thread, social media is so important to the narrative of this film and how often they, uh, it's kind of basing off of the tweets and then communicating back and forth through text message. And then the, uh, the, uh, the porn, uh, the uh, prostitution site is so essential to the plot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, essentially the social media for prostitution, and and uh, that's so important to various sides. And uh, and searching is obviously um, they're in no way the same film. And sure. it's uh, and and even even the uh, even the comparison between the two is a stretch. But it just uh, searching uses so many different aspects of social media to try to unravel its narrative and zola doesn't stick to just the just twitter it's it's twitter and then um uh, i forget what the what the uh site is called back page uh, was it back page yes yeah yeah so it's back page and then you know everybody texting back and forth and then uh, checking in and all this kind of stuff so it, it that that was uh that was what i was thinking of at the time but uh that's more of a smaller puzzle piece just kind of the general narrative of a social media driven film sure but uh, yeah yeah and, and i think that permeated a few of our other pieces here uh which yeah. i'm gonna go ahead and do the finished puzzle uh mm-hmm. and, and list all those out and then we'll get into some uh some closing thoughts and anything like that but um we talked about spring breakers the disaster artist after hours safety brothers films including good time uncut gems and heaven can wait uh, a Simple Favor, Ingrid Goes West, The Florida Project, Hustlers, Magic Mike, True Romance, Punch Drunk Love, and Searching. Uh, but yeah, like I was just saying, a, a lot of that like social media like kind of permeating through these pieces, uh, most of them really. Um, mm-hmm. And that, like, like I said earlier, a lot of newer movies, a lot of that youthful energy. Is there any uh, any main thoughts or points that you wanted to bring up that didn't quite come up in the puzzle pieces? Uh, not really. I mean, it's, it's, it's such an interesting film and it, it felt so original and, uh, there, there, it feels like there's something in there that in, in th- this feels like Zola is going to be a puzzle piece for a lot of future films. Oh yeah. I could see uh, that. And, and, and 
especially you know the certain characterizations of uh like stephanie's character is such a interesting and you know arguably problematic view yeah it's it's a hard performance i think to like commit to yeah and and to riley keogh's credit like i have seen interview after interview going yep this is a problem it's supposed to be a problem this girl sucks it's okay like (laughs) so i mean there the 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 general awareness of it is the big thing and yeah, I, I, I see Zola as going to be something that's going to be really influential. Maybe, like, I don't know how um, ultimately financially successful Zola is going to be, or even critically successful, not even critically, but award successful. Um, currently, in my Oscar predictions, I have Riley Kilo and Coleman Domingo, but uh, we'll have to see how the year shakes out. But I'm optimistic that it will have a pretty lasting impact. Yeah, I, I I hope so. And you know, even though I had my my issues with the ending, mm-hmm. I mean, it's such an enjoyable film and such great performances all around. Uh, only other thing I thought about bringing up, um, which could in itself be a puzzle piece, um, but I wasn't going to use it myself. But uh, I, I saw an interview with uh, Janixa Bravo and Jeremy Harris, um, the other writer, uh, and they mm-hmm. they talked about making this a Black Odyssey. Um, and sure. hitting some of those beats of, of the Odyssey story. And, you know, obviously that has been, um, you know, something that's been the basis for so many films over the mm-hmm. years. Absolutely. And, yeah. So, I mean, you could totally see what they're going for there as far as, um, you know, bringing this character on, on with its own different kind of voice um, to that kind of a story. And so, yeah, I think that definitely fits in as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, by the way, like what what kind of, ending were you hoping for just something with more narrative i finality i guess so i mean it it didn't need to like freeze frame and tell me where everybody is now or anything like that but but at the same time i i I don't know if if uh getting back to atlanta would have been enough you know maybe some just something where it didn't just seem like okay done you know, and uh, yeah. and and plenty of movies that I like end that way too, with the the abrupt, uh, you know, uh, open ended, you know, kind of, uh, you know, conclusion. But it just felt very abrupt in this one. Yeah, I know what you mean, and yeah. and I kind of agree. Um, I I like the, you know, after Nicholas Braun throws himself off the off that second story, I was like, oh, he's probably not dead, and then <laughs> holding holding his head and and X screaming about it and. It, it, it was, it was kind of, I, I did like the ending as far as like, well, the guys are in their wild worlds caring about the things they care about. And Stephanie's over there going like, hi Zola. And Zola's like, no, 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 none, none of this. And yeah. it's, it's not really about the actual craziness that's happening. It's about the side thing that's actually important. Sure. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it would have been nice to have just maybe a little more more finality like well maybe they go to the hospital and zola sneaks out or something you know i i'm not i'm not here to relitigate how how to make their film i love the film so, yeah um, and so. apparently x is in prison now so that's good to know that yeah. sounds yeah uh, i sure hope he is um, <laughs> man alive and i i really hope stephanie has actually found jesus mm-hmm. as opposed to the oh well i'm just a nice little jesus girl like i don't know what's going on with her but man and so but like you said it's it like we talked about earlier it's kind of a one-sided uh view of things mm-hmm. and 
it, it, it's from this solo perspective, but at the same time, it's such an interestingly fun perspective that it's hard not to, uh, not to care about it. Absolutely. Well, I think that does it for Zola. Uh, is there another movie you watched recently like to recommend to our listeners? Um, I've been, uh, I've been going through trying to catch up on, uh, on some old, uh, Oscar blind spots that I've had. I've, I'm notorious for getting, getting into a year and diving into that year and then running into another year at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I was, so I think I'm doing rewatches of, uh, 1937, 1947, 1986 and 1998 while also 2000. So, uh, so I just keep diving down these stupid rabbit holes, but, uh, I recently watched, uh, for the first time, children of a lesser God. Okay. Uh, from 1986, um, obviously the, uh, the debut of Marley Matlin. It was, uh, I had high expectations for Marley Matlin and I was not let down, but, uh, it's my favorite William Hurt performance. Okay. So, uh, highly recommend that if you haven't checked it out. Also, uh, you know, saw Luca the other day was fantastic after, you know, listened to your, uh, your episode about it. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, we almost did an episode on false positive, uh, yes. on Hulu. Um, a uh, interesting film to say the least. I, I'm gonna get to it one of these days. Uh, the <laughs> episode will be long in our you know rear view. No, but... <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's like uh, like we haven't even you haven't even seen the film, and you're like, well, it's definitely Rosemary's Baby's a puzzle piece. So, sure, I mean, yeah, that that kind of thing. So, uh, but um, yeah, uh, just trying to trying to catch up on all these things. The fun part about catching up is seeing on the list of the films I need to see, and you're like, wow, man, I can't believe I haven't seen Blue Velvet. And right, I, I, and it was like, ooh, it's kind of exciting to have to watch Blue Velvet for the first time, even you know. But at the same time, trying to temper your own expectations. You know what I've realized yeah. is there are a lot of movies out there, <laughs> so many. And it, it, as somebody, so there's a there's a radio ad, and they talk about, oh man, these are all the great songs. Do you know how many bad ones we had to sort through? Do we got to this one? Yeah. And that's kind of how I'm going through with my movie watching. I'm like. Wow, these are so like I've run into a lot of great movies. Like this is great, and I'm like, man, there are some real stinkers out there, though. Mm. And I, uh, I, I did a, I recently did a rewatch of the movies of 1931 and 1932, and I went in with such low expectations. And pretty much everyone I watched was great, and I'm like, wow. man, that's fantastic. And it, I guarantee it won't be like that again. Like I'll run into something, and I go, this is terrible. Yeah, so, that's you know. Nature of the game. That's right. That is absolutely right. Well, uh, Ben, why don't you tell people again where they can find you and your uh, writing? Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at NebIsBen. Um, you can find me talking about reviews, and then I'll occasionally uh, say the random goofy thing. You'd be like, well, that's a stupid thing to say. So uh, <laughs> um, you can find my site at IceCreamForFreaks.com. Um, I also write for the TheFilmExperience.net uh, on occasion. Um, uh, we're about to do a uh, retrospective of Clute. Um, we, uh, split it up into three parts. I get the middle, middle third of the film. So I get to, uh, uh, wax on about how great Gordon Willis is. And, nice. uh, so, uh, you can find me there and I'm also on letterboxd at, uh, Neb 810. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much, uh, for doing the show and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you back sometime. I know we're we trying to do false positive, but, uh, but now we got this one and I look forward to next time. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for having me. What's up, guys? Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast here. Are you just sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I really love some dude in his garage sitting around talking about arbitrary countdowns 
and his favorite things in the world of movies, music, and TV. Well, guess what? That's me. Please look me up. My name is Gerald, and I am from Two Peas on a Podcast. If you want to subscribe to my countdown show, I have a different co-host every week. It's often someone from the world of podcasting or entertainment. And we go through our top five favorite things in whatever that week's category is. You can find links to all of our content, subscribe via your favorite podcast app, and follow us on social media. The easiest thing to do is just head to our website, which is www.2peasonapod.com. I hope you look me up and join the party. It's a lot of fun. See you soon. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Zola. Thanks to Ben for joining me on this episode. Make sure to go check out his writing. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you like what you hear, here I'm piecing it together. Uh, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Share the show with your friends. Get in touch on social media at PiecingPod or join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. You know... All the usual stuff. I, I appreciate that you're all out there listening. Thank you so much. Hopefully you've been checking out all the other episodes we've been posting lately because there is there's a lot. We've been covering a lot of stuff. Um, uh, at the time of this recording, there is just uh, already like four episodes in the can and two more uh, scheduled sessions, which I'm not even sure what order they're all going to go up at. But uh, yeah, lots of podcasts coming your way. So make sure you're subscribed. So that does it for today. Let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. You know, every so often when I'm uh, covering a movie that's got that kind of hip-hop energy to it, I will dig back into this album Success Stories by this artist Skydro that I produced about 10 years ago now. Um, but I produced this album. It's a great album. I, I'm really proud of it. Um, and it is available out there on iTunes and uh, Spotify and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, I'm going to play a track from that. So uh, let's see. I'm going to go with a track called Into Girlfriends. I think this would fit in well, maybe in one of those strip club scenes here in Zola. So I figure this is a good way to end the uh, episode. So if you like what you hear, make sure to check out Skydra's album, Success Stories. And thanks as always for listening. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon. Hey, hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends, hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends, hey, now, I never said you were her had to touch, cause if I meant that, I would have said that much, but as such, you already taken, I need a man to come around and then you start faking, cause when I I start shaking, my pit bull awaken And it got me feeling like, Kobe on the weekend Plus we bought three bands, plus you brought three friends And like you said, there's no reason for you to start cheating Ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends I'm into your friends, hey ladies I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends So let's be friends, hey ladies I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey ladies I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends Hey lady, can I hit you square? I'm able later on this blunt with shit I know you're telling me, don't you dare, no I'm telling you Don't be 
scared. Girl, I gotta take stock. Let's make numbers exchange. If you make stocks hit the roof and resurrect the world trade. Fact, your love is so good, you make tragedies fade. And my stimulus package getting me paid. Hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends. I'm into girlfriends. I'm into your friends. Hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends. I'm into girlfriends. So let's be friends. Hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends. I'm into girlfriends. I'm into your friends. Hey, ladies, I'm into girlfriends. I'm into girlfriends. So let's be friends. Hey, ladies. Yeah. Hey, ladies. Yeah. Hey, ladies. Yeah. I hope you're into girlfriends, cause I'm into girlfriends. Hey, ladies. I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey ladies. I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends. Hey ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey ladies. I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends. Hey ladies, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends, hey ladies. I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends, so let's be friends. Hey ladies, I'm into girlfriends. I'm into girlfriends, I'm into your friends and ladies I'm into girlfriends, I'm into girlfriends So let's be friends An All Points West production Produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas